Today on Blue 58, given the way the season has gone so far, it's hard to say a loss to the Lions qualifies as unthinkable. But it's also hard to say the Packers are any kind of a contender, and letting a team double its win total in Week 9 is a pretty good indication that things are pretty bad in Green Bay. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode. I'm not happy about the subject matter. And in fact, in an attempt to avoid talking about the actual game for a second, I would like to rewind back to an early 2000s internet reference. Uh, Maybe like 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. I'm getting to the point where I realize that many of my internet references are dated. Something that was cool on the internet when I was 14 is now 20 years ago. But around that time, uh, there was a popular internet, I guess you'd call it a meme now, uh, demotivators. And there was one website that sold them. You could buy these fake motivational posters for your office or get them on coffee mugs or calendars and stuff like that. Despair.com. They're still in existence. You can still buy their stuff. But a favorite one of mine was one appropriately titled Despair. And the saying on the poster said, it's always darkest just before it goes pitch black. And that one always stuck with me, first because I like the turn of phrase, but also that phrasing of it's always darkest just before the dawn is one of those things where it's like, I don't exactly know what it means, but I kind of feel what it means. It's kind of saying, you never know how dark it can really be until everything goes out. And I don't want to get too melodramatic about losing a football game, but losing to the one in six Detroit Lions in a game where you've said all week long, we're going to get our season back on track. This is it. This is it. This is the game where we turn things around. That feels like everything going pitch black. Things were getting pretty dark after the loss to the Commanders. Three in a row heading into the the Buffalo Bills game is pretty dark. Losing to the Bills, even if it's entirely expected, that's pretty dark too. But losing a divisional game to the 1-6 in Detroit Lions, if that's not pitch black, it's about as dark as I can imagine it getting. Not only did the Packers lose, but they scored nine points against a historically bad defense. And not only did they just score nine points, they failed to score in such spectacular ways. Three interceptions in the red zone, two interceptions in the end zone, one of them on a tackle-eligible pass, a final possession that featured four straight incompletions. Sammy Watkins appearing to run the wrong route two different times. Truly incredible stuff. On top of that, you have the injuries. Aaron Jones, hurt. Rashawn Gary, hurt, and it might be pretty bad. Eric Stokes, hurt. David Bakhtiari, in and out of the lineup. John Runyon Jr., in and out of the lineup. Christian Watson, hurt again. It's possible that Christian Watson now has twice as many concussions in his NFL career as he does touchdowns. It gets to the point where you hardly know what to say anymore. And if you didn't know any better, you would think this is one of those games on Madden where the computer just decides no matter what you do, you are not going to win this game. 
it's going to get weird. You're going to see glitches you've never seen before. And you are walking out of this game with a loss or you're going to rage quit. And that's what's going to happen. But this is an actual football game. And I think the blame for this actual football game lands with the adults in the room. You can talk about, you know, disappointing performances from young players. You can talk about how the offensive line maybe shouldn't, isn't playing how they should be. You can talk about how A.J. Dillon might be having a disappointing season. You can talk about Sammy Watkins running the wrong route. But they can only perform in the situations that they're put in. And they get put in those situations by Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, and Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about this multi-level failure in previous losses, but I think it bears repeating. Starting with Brian Gutekunst, the plan for this year seemed so weak as it was being unfailed, and so obviously flawed now in hindsight that it's impossible to not judge him extremely harshly. Betting on defense is always a bit of a fraught proposition just because of how many things have to go right for a defense to be elite. Yet here are the Packers re-signing Devondre Campbell, re-signing Rasul Douglas, spending two first-round picks on defensive players at non-premium positions. It can be done where you build your passing game around multiple good players or multiple pretty good players instead of having just one superstar. But the way in which he tried to construct that passing group was flawed, clearly. The guys the Packers have aren't getting the job done. You can have a great season as a quarterback in your late 30s, or you can flip that quarterback for for picks. When he's the the two-time MVP, you can see why you might bet on him playing well. But it turned out that Aaron Rodgers wasn't as good, maybe, as, as Brian Gutekunst thought he would be at age 38. You can go on and on and on, but every one of Brian Gutekunst's bets for 2022 has turned up wrong. And yet, we still get word today about him trying Hail Mary passes at the trade deadline. Jay Glazer reporting this morning that the Packers offered a first-round pick for DJ Moore. The Panthers should have taken that. Moore is not their future. He's already 25, but neither is he the Packers' future. The Packers are not one DJ Moore away, clearly. And it reminded me, hearing these reports after after the trade deadline passed, they said they really should kick it back a couple weeks because it would help teams that are bad and help teams that are good because teams would know more what they are. You think this Tuesday the Packers would be trying to trade for anybody? No. They'd have a price tag on everybody on their roster trying to ship them out the door. The Packers also went after Darren Waller. He too. I don't think would have changed this team. And Brian Gunnikins must have it bad for him because this is the second time in the 2022 calendar year that he's tried to get Waller for the Packers. He was supposed to be part of the Devontae Adams trade, and eventually the league scuttled that. This team is deeply flawed, and it's flawed down to its DNA. And a big part of that is Brian Gutekunst's failure of vision. Matt LaFleur does not escape blame here. This team is so rudderless that it calls into question his entire philosophy to this point. Yes, he is anchored to Aaron Rodgers. You are the coach. He is the player. Getting him to do what you want to do is literally your job. 
the entirety of your job description is getting the players to do what you want them to do and not what the players want them to do. Today, the offense looks so static at time that it looks like late McCarthy-era stuff, which is fitting because he's coming to Lambeau Field next weekend. Nice of the Packers to make things comfortable for him. He'll be very familiar with what they're running on the team, on the field, and his elite defense will probably have no problem stopping it. Yes, there were injuries to the Packers today, but think about the big innovations for the Packers on offense this year. We now have two of them. You've got the pony package, two running backs on the field at the same time, and moving Adam Stanovich up to the booth. Wow. Big offensive genius points there. There is just absolutely no identity on this team at all on offense. Then we get to Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers did say after this game that he threw some bad passes. And it is nice to see him accept finally the bare minimum of culpability for this offensive performance so far this year. I feel like I've gone out of my way this year to defend Aaron Rodgers at times because I don't think he's been as bad to this point as many people have tried to say. There are a lot of bad things about the Packers offense that are out of Aaron Rodgers' control that end up making Aaron Rodgers look bad. But I don't think you can say with any degree of honesty that he has played either to the standard expected of him or to the standard needed of him. Is it fair to need that standard of Aaron Rodgers again and again and again? No. But he knew that going in. He knew that when he became the highest paid player in the NFL this year. And he has not played up to it. He has not played up to his capabilities. He has not played as good as the Packers have needed him to play. Those are the big three. Those are the people affecting the Packers right now. And it feels like they are failing in every way. This season is not over. Even at 3-6, and six, it is still possible for the Packers to make the playoffs. But look at this two ways. Look at the way forward. The door is closing. The Packers likely need to get to nine wins at three and six. That means they have to go six and two the rest of the way. How possible do you think that actually is? Secondly, let's say the Packers do make the playoffs. They're not going in as the top seed this year, so no first round bye. Wild card weekend on the road. Probably to the, they're probably going to be the seventh seed if they make it in. So they'll be traveling to see the two seed in the NFC right now. So potentially an NFC North team or an AFC, an NFC East team. Um, maybe the maybe the Cowboys traveling to see the Cowboys on the road in the playoffs. I mean, you feel great about that? I I think we're just looking at another harsh playoff exit if the Packers even make it this year. And it'll probably be not just sad, but also embarrassing too if they do make the playoffs. That's the state of things now. And that's where you end up if you lose to the 1-6 and six Detroit Lions. We do make a point to talk about good things in this podcast. I've got three of them. Jair Alexander had an interception. That's pretty neat. Keyshawn Nixon offers a little bit of juice on kick return. Also pretty neat. And Zach Tom, again, doesn't look horribly out of place as a left tackle. Could be better, sure. 
Still needs to gain some weight? Absolutely. But he doesn't look awful. And with David Bakhtiari still uncertain, that's a pretty good place to be. Bad stuff? Well, let's start with the two red zone trips that ended with end zone interceptions. The first one, it looks like the Packers have a a run pass option on. The throw is way off, though. Drills a Detroit Lions defender straight in the helmet. Ball goes way up in the air and it's intercepted. All right. Weird things happen, even if it wasn't a great throw. Chalk it up to just things being weird, as they always seem to be when the Packers play in Detroit. Next possession, though. Four attempts from the Detroit one-yard line. First down, A.J. Dillon gets stuffed. Second down, Aaron Rodgers goes left to Sammy Watkins. He throws a fade. Watkins runs a slant. The ball falls harmlessly to the turf. No chance of being completed. Not one. Third down, A.J. Dillon is stuffed again. And on fourth down, they do the tackle-eligible pass to David Bakhtiari. Now, it looked like Bakhtiari would be open. However, he never got a shot. One of the worst throws I've ever seen from Aaron Rodgers. And we've been watching him for some time. It's hard to find one in that circumstance that would be worse than what he threw up there. And on top of that, no opportunities at all in four plays from the one-yard line for Aaron Jones, not one. You can't find one opportunity to get your best offensive player the ball. Second bad thing, and this isn't like a a specific thing you can look at at the box score or whatever, but the Packers finally get a break on defense. Not to say the defense was bad in this one. They did a pretty good job of slowing down a pretty high-scoring team. But the Packers finally get a huge contribution from their defense. Jair Alexander gets an interception, makes a great run back, Packers take over deep in Detroit territory. What do they do? They just frittered away. Awful throw on the post by Aaron Rodgers. A little bit behind Tunyon, trying to get it all at once. Intercepted. Handing it right back to the Lions. And then the final possession. 55 seconds to go. Two timeouts left. The ball is on the Detroit 17-yard line. You'd think you got your entire playbook open to you. After all, again, two timeouts. What do we get? Shot to Alan Lazard right. Shot to Alan Lazard left. Deep shot over the middle to Amari Rogers. Always sounds like a great option there. And then deep left to Sammy Watkins where it appears again that he and Rogers are not on the same page. Well done. That last play, it looked like the way that Rodgers was talking in the huddle, it looked like the 2016 play in the playoffs against the the Cowboys where Rodgers sort of drew things up in the huddle. How about we just run a play? Run an actual play that everybody knows with the game on the line, get to the line with more than five seconds left on the play clock, and give yourself a good shot to win a game against a 1-6 team. If you're scorecarding failures at home, I think that one's on Rodgers and LaFleur. LaFleur, you're the coach. Have a play for fourth down and the game. Aaron, just get to the line and run the play. 
four-time MVP quarterback, I know you're great. You don't have to draw one up in the huddle to prove anything. So what does this all mean? The Packers are going nowhere fast. And they can't be eliminated from playoff competition next week. But maybe Mike McCarthy can put this season to rest once and for all. And I think I, I didn't have really anywhere else to put this. I think the Packers have to think long and hard about whether or not a look at Jordan Love starts right now. Because Aaron Rodgers has had nine weeks to figure out this offense. And it's not getting figured out if it is even figure outable. But what you do have to figure out is whether or not you have anything at all in Jordan Love. Because right now, he should be the starting quarterback for 2023, whether you think Aaron Rodgers has anything left in the tank or not. Because you've tried, you tried to build something around Rodgers, and you failed. This was your all-in season, betting the farm on Rodgers, continuing to be an MVP-level quarterback, and he hasn't been this year. So you might as well get a look at, at Jordan Love now so you can start your rebuild in earnest next spring. Because sometimes you're honest with yourself and you know it's time to rebuild so you can start that process. And sometimes the tank finds you. It's not because you, you want to tank or want to put a season, you know, just write a season off. But the tank has found the Packers. They are 3-6 and six and going nowhere fast. And if they haven't gotten that through their heads this week, maybe a primetime prime time showdown with the Dallas Cowboys at Lambeau Field will help them figure that out. Because here come the Cowboys 6-2, and two, coming off a bye to Lambeau Field. They are better than the Packers in just about every conceivable way. And they're going to get a chance, I don't want to say uh, to avenge Mike McCarthy, but to help their coach get a win over the team that fired him four years ago. The Cowboys can't eliminate the Packers, but sending them to 3-7 and seven is functionally an elimination. So that's what we have to look forward to next week. Let's talk rookies. Packers draft class was pretty well represented in this one. Quay Walker, five to- total tackles, one for a loss, not too bad. Devontae Wyatt, a little bit more active in this one. Two assists on tackles, one pass defense, had a nice pressure on Jared Goff that forced an incompletion. Christian Watson, two catches for 24 yards, not as involved as I thought he was going to be. The Packers still didn't get a chance to unveil their Christian Watson package that they supposedly had for the Bills game. Maybe they just weren't sure what they were going to get from him this week. And of course, he was evaluated for another concussion in this game. Terrific stuff. Sean Ryan. Did play, didn't see him out there, but he was active and not among the DNPs, so he is starting to get sprinkled into the Packers lineup a little bit more. Good to see from the Packers' third-round pick from this spring. Romeo Dobbs, nice catch to start the game, then carted off. That is pretty much a, a summary of how this game went. Zach Tom, again, not looking totally out of place at left tackle. Good to see. J.J. Enigbari ends with one tackle. He had a sack taken away on one of the rougher weaker roughing the passer calls I can recall. I don't know how you can call roughing the passer on a guy who's giving himself up and going to the ground, but the uh, 
NFL rulebook is deep and complex and open to interpretation at just about every facet. Tariq Carpenter did play, did not record a stat, and Jonathan Ford was active, or not active, excuse me, so nothing for him to, to do or have us remark on there. A couple more observations here, clearing out the notebook, and then we will let you get on with your Monday celebrating your 3-6 and six Green Bay Packers. Uniforms. Packers tend to look bad, in my opinion, in Detroit. I don't know if it's the lighting, but their, their yellow always looks a little bit more highlighter yellow than the gold that it actually is. I do like the color combo here. It's much easier on the eyes than the, the, the blue that the Bills had last week. Um, but Detroit's uniforms need work. Design-wise, they're fine, I guess. Just too much gray, I think. I would love to see Detroit in blue over white. I know they love the silver, but the color on their uniform right now isn't silver. It's just kind of like a dull gray. I don't love it. They do have new uniforms supposedly in progress for 2023. Not here yet, though. So I would give this matchup a 5.5 out of 10. Interesting note on uniforms. I did see Rasul Douglas and Keyshawn Nixon next to each other on the field at one point. They both have solid or close to solid yellow shoes on. But interestingly, at least to me, very different shades of yellow. And that wasn't something I'd noticed before, but it's definitely something I'm going to pay attention to as we uh, as we go on, just the differences in, in the shades of what people have on on the field. On offense, the Packers wasted what I thought was a pretty good day from Alan Lazard. He did have a drop on fourth down on a pretty high degree of difficulty play. Still, four catches, 87 yards. That's the good spin on his stat line. Uh, he was targeted 10 times and only came up with, with 87 yards. That's the bad side. Some of that is on him. Some of that is on Aaron Rodgers. He did provide the season-long offensive play of a 47-yard catch and run, though. So good to see from Alan Lazard. I don't think he was the problem on offense today. A.J. Dillon, we miss, mentioned him being a bit of a disappointment here earlier. This is the third time this season that A.J. Dillon has been under 3.5 yards per carry on double-digit carries. He finished this game with 11 carries for 34 yards. Couldn't get it in from the one-yard line two times on one trip, as we talked about. Among the many Packers having disappointing 2022 seasons, he is near the top of the list. And I guess some higher-profile guys are are really covering for him because um, I, I don't think I've seen a whole lot of conversation about his season, but it it has not been great. Explosive plays. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had two on the ground, two runs of more than 12 yards. Those were his first since week 11 of last year. So it's been quite a while since he's done anything to the extent that he did in this game on the ground. Mercedes Lewis also recorded his first explosive play of the season, his first since week 15 of last year. And to end on a positive note, Kylan Hill is officially all the way back. After tearing his ACL toward the middle of last season, he got his first carry today since last year. That is an abbreviated list of just sort of little things. Usually we go much deeper than that, and it just feels hard in this episode. It just feels hard talking about this game to be like focused on anything other than the absolute biggest and most important storylines of the Packers. And really there's only one right now. The ongoing burning question when do the Packers admit to themselves that the season is over? We can still root for the Packers to turn it around, even if that's not super likely. But part of building a team is recognizing when something isn't working and what the Packers have right now 
is not working. So what are they going to do about that? And how do they handle the rest of the 2022 season? I don't know the answer to that, but I can tell you that we will be here covering it and talking about it with you. And I look forward to doing that. That's all I've got for you on this episode, though. But if you enjoyed it, do me a favor and share it with someone you think would enjoy it, too. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.